Your presence is here. So I draw near to you, Lord. Come on, draw near. Because his promise is he will draw near to you. No matter what you're facing today. Oh, if you draw near, if you draw near to him. His word says this in Psalm 18. He stretched heaven's curtains open. And he came down to my defense. And swiftly he rode to earth as the stormy sky lowered. He opened heaven's curtains for you today. To draw near, draw near to the King. Oh, Jesus. one to eight, and I'm reading from the New Living, and it says, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never, ever, ever forget the good things He does for me. And this is what He does. This is what Jesus bought for us. This is what Jesus dying bought for us. We'll go to the next verse. It says, verse three, He forgives all of my sins. He heals all of my diseases. Verse four, because there's more. There's more that he does for you. He redeems me from death. He's your rescue. He's your rescue. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. The next one, he fills my life with good things. Another translation says, he satisfies my mouth with good things. He fills me. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Cool. What's next? What's next? The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. If you skip to verse 8, this one. 
Lock this one in your heart. This is who your God is. The Lord is compassionate. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. And He is rich, rich in love. So I want to ask you this morning, where does your heart go? If He's all of that, if He's all of that for you, if He's all of that for me, where do you go? When you're in pain, where do you go? Do you go to your pain? Or do you go to the one, the one who heals your pain? He is easy to access. He is easy to find. When you draw near to Him, what does He do? He yell it out. When you draw near to Him, He draws near to you. It's that easy. Jesus bought this for us. Jesus bought this for us. And I want to ask you, as you're holding the communion cup, where does your heart go? Where does it go when you're troubled? Where does it go when you're worried? Where does it go when you're challenged? When do, where does it go when you're happy? You know, I want to know. I want, you, I want you to ask yourself, do you live with His presence wrapped around your life daily? Is He a real thing in your life daily? Or is He an occasional acquaintance that you bump into on a Sunday? Because I know this. He's not, he's not meant to be that. Don't just bump into his presence on a Sunday because you'll find freedom there. You will find freedom there. But when you walk away from him, when you walk out of his presence, your tormentor will come again. Live daily in his presence. He's a daily, daily help in time of need. There's one thing that I've come to realize, and I've come to realize this truth. When God's presence is here, the enemy cannot function. It's a law. It's a rule. It's a law. Where his presence is, the enemy cannot function. So where would you rather be? Where would you rather be? In his presence. So how do you find it? How do you find it? It's in here. Know him. Know who he is. Know that psalm. That's who your God is. That's who your God is. The word of God is full of who he is. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. He is rich in love. A little further on, it says, He does not reward us as we deserve. So if you're sitting here and you know you've sinned, or you know you've got sickness, or you carry shame over something, give Him your all. Just let Him see it. If you come to Him with a broken and a contrite heart, he will never turn you away. He is close. He is your help in time of need. I want you to just, if you take the emblems this morning and in your time, just commune with God. This is what Jesus bought for us. We sung about heaven coming to earth. Jesus is that stairway. He is that stairway. He is the one that opened that gate. He is the one that opened that access. You just lay your life before him. Father, Father, I just pray this morning that your spirit of truth go out. You are the rescuer of our soul. You are the lifter of our head. You are our constant, constant help in time of need. You never leave us. You never forsake us. When we draw near to you, you come near to us. We lay our lives before you. We lay our lives before you, Father. Amen. Bless you, people. Why don't we take the cup this morning, the wine that represents his blood, and the bread that represents his body that he freely gave. It's a gift. We didn't deserve it. He gave it because God so loved you and me. Let's take that together now. Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Jesus. Reflect on those words that Andrea spoke, the question, Jesus. 
so welcome in this place. You're so welcome, Holy Spirit. give this morning we can have the ushers up the front God we love you and we give today because you are good we give today out of a religious act, not because we compel, but because you first gave to us. So today we give generously to you, God. We sow into your kingdom. We sow into your kingdom today because you're so good. Why don't we pass the bags around now as we give this morning. Why don't we thank him? Gratitude opens the heavens. When we're grateful, it opens up heaven. You're so good, God. to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Come on, you sounded better last week. I don't know about you, but what happened last week was last week. Today's a new day. Today a new day. His mercy is new every morning. Last week was fantastic. Today's going to be better. The Bible does not say He takes us to one glory and then brings us back. He brings us forward. That means every day, every Sunday, every weekend, every morning that we open up our eyes. I'm going to take a step forward, closer to the things of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to where I was last week. Come on. God has got so much more. I don't want to come to Sunday. I don't want to come to every day and arrive every day and just have a Groundhog Day and just go back to where I was. It's not going to happen with me. It may with you, but it's not going to happen with me. Make a decision in your heart today. Make a decision in your life at this moment that you're not going to go back. That you won't go back. That God has ignited something. For me, I felt God ignite something fresh in my spirit. Ignite something fresh in this place. Ignite something fresh. I don't know. I don't want any person with any bucket of cold water to come tipping it all over top of me. Heck no. Heck no, wait. No way. When God brings a prophet, it's not just to entertain us. It's not just to say, hey, well, man, that was a pretty cool trick. Eh, if that was what it's about, then you missed the boat. 
When God brings a prophet into the house, it's to bring us from one level of faith to another. It's to say, this chapter or this day of my life is finished. There is something new that God is going to bring me into. One of the things I was believing for was there's going to be a shifting of power. Friends, don't let the bucket of cold water. Don't let. You know, one of the things about I really feel in my heart is this. Whenever we come into a have a high experience, a high moment, the most, the day after that, or the time after that, really does determine and shape what will happen next. Because it's easy. It is easy to live on the excitement of a meeting. It's easy to see something good and to say, wow, that was amazing. And we can have these amazing times. But that's really not what's going to really grow you. That's really not going to be the thing that makes you change. All it does is it creates the energy. All it does is creates the capacity to change. All it does is unsettles things. It encourages people. It shifts things. At the end of the day, something inside of you has to shift. Something inside of you has to decide. I'm not going to stay where I was. I'm going to take a step up. I'm going to take a step up in my faith. I'm not going to live the way that I used to live last week. I'm not going to behave. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to respond passively like I used to be. I will take a step up. I'm going to keep stepping. I'm going to keep moving forward. Like the Bible says, the righteous keep moving forward. This is not just about height. This is about making internal decisions that will affect the course of history. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Hallelujah. And it's great to see you here in the house of the Lord. Why don't you turn to somebody and offer them this morning, show them some love. Especially if they're crying over last night. Thank you, what's your team? Beautiful. Whoop, whoop. How many people enjoyed last Sunday? Yeah, I've got some work to do this morning. One of the things Apostle Tamarit said to me was this. Expectation is the key to bring the supernatural into place. For me, I want to lift my expectation. I don't want to come here and expect nothing. If you come here expecting nothing, you receive nothing. I want to come here, I'm expecting. Even as I was worshiping just before, I felt the Lord start to show me the next steps. I believe for, I'm believing for a shift. I've been praying for it. I've fasted for it. I contended for it. And it's happening. You come with me or you stay where you are. We had a fantastic time in Auckland. Uh, welcome to all those watching online. Had an amazing time up there. We, we thought it was not going to happen, but in the end it did. We forced it to happen. And God really moved. God just opened the way. And as it turned out, it was the best thing for it anyway. That God had the plan all along. The right people needed to be there. The right people got spoken to. Absolute clarity. There were prophetic words that were spoken. There was a power shift, and I can tell you now, it will manifest. You'll see it. There'll be doors open. There are already now doors opened in high places. I preached on it last year. That means uh, influence. That means a shift in power. There are doors opening into high places that we have, because at the end of the day, somebody's going to sit in the high place over our nation. Hello? Somebody sits in those places and releases power. And it's either people who are righteous or it's people that are wicked. One of the two. I believe the church is called to be in that place. And uh, one of the things I want to encourage you is uh, just what, I've, what I have been feeling God speak to me over this time. Over this time, I've had uh, uh, moments of exasperation. <laughs> I found the end of my rope a few times. But I've also had moments of sheer joy, and I've also had moments where the Lord showed me uh, what He's called me to and what He's called us to. And so what I want to 
preach to you on this morning is the response that I feel in my heart that I intend to make in order to receive those promises. Because it's one thing to get a prophetic word. It's one thing to have a, uh, God show you something. It's another thing entirely to claim it and to walk into it and fulfill it. You, you don't just get a prophetic word and do nothing and expect for it to happen. It doesn't work that way. There has to be a response. We have to respond in some way. There must be a change. And the only person that can make that change is you. The only change that can, person that can make the change in my life is me. No one else can do it for me. Even God won't do it for me. Essentially, what he will do is he can create the environment, but essentially, it will come down to whether I will change or will I not. And I pray that whatever God is doing and speaking and shaping in your life, that you'll take the time to reflect on it and two, to respond to it. Kate and I are heading off to, when are we heading off, Kate? Tuesday. Kate and I are heading off for a couple of weeks. Um, we're off to Israel uh, for about two and a half weeks. And uh, be Kate's birthday on Tuesday. So great birthday present. She gets a chocolate. Pastor Joy will be preaching next Sunday, and Pastor I will be preaching the Sunday after that. So come along, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Want to open up your Bibles? Let's open up our Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. Have you got it? Has somebody got it this morning? Hello, bring your Bibles. We've got one up on the screen. Here we go. Do not row, do not know that in a race that all runners run, their very best to win, but only one receives the prize. Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Somebody say, I'm going to own it. <laughs> now, every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. They do it to win a crown. They do it to win a, qu a crown that withers, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown. Somebody say an imperishable crown that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not. I do not run without a definite goal or a definite purpose. I do not flail around. I don't flail my arms around, beating there just like shadow boxing. But like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and bring it under subjection. So that after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified as unfit for service. You with me this morning? I believe that there is a, uh, a power shift, and uh, as I said, but one of the things I'm believing is that, is that God is calling us up in every part of our life. There is a high call. Of, in Philippians 3, Paul talks about uh, the high call, which is in Jesus Christ. Jesus is always calling us up. The whole point of having a prophet come in like this was to shift whatever place that you're in now and to lift you up. Hello. And it's to lift you up in every space of your life. Whatever space that God has wanted to shift in your life, it is to lift you up, whether it's in your spiritual life. Uh, it's always in your spiritual life, but it's in every part of your life, there has to be an upward shift. There has to be an upward shift. If there's no upward shift, you just stay where you are and you die young and never fulfill what God has for you. I want to, in our lives, uh, have an upward shift. For me, I'm quite determined to see it. I felt God show me things that, uh, that he wants to do in the next season of, of my life. He just showed me some great things, and I'll, I'll talk about that in another day. Uh, but the whole idea, one of the, I preached last Sunday on, on having a power shift. And it's one thing to come up in the older call and to say, yes, I need a power shift. But there are some specific ways that you can get that to happen. You don't, it just, you can pray for it, but there are some responses that we must make. And so for me, one of the things I wanted to do was to start to reflect on what are the responses that I need to make in my life in order to shift the power. Because it's one thing to come and, and have it prophesied and spoken over up here, but then you've got to go home and then you have to shift the power somewhere in your home life. Does that make sense? It, it, it never just happens magically just like that. There's always a response that must take place to happen. And this is where the, the scripture I felt God has been speaking to me. I remember my dad made a statement uh, to me once. He said, 
you need to be putting your power in behind what you do. You need to put your power in behind what you are doing. And I, it, it took me a while to figure that out because I initially interpreted it as this. You mean I need to try harder? No, that's not what he meant. And that's not the intention behind it. So when you put your power into something to shift, the, to shift whatever uh, space that you're in, he said, you need to put your power. So I started to meditate on this again and what that means and how to do that. Because I don't want to get into a place where I'm just trying harder. I, I, I don't want to do that because you open up to a religious spirit. However, there is a balance to that as well. And so one of the things I started to, I started to reflect on is how do I develop power and authority in my life so that I may shift things, that I may be able to shift whatever things are around my life, around my family, around my metron of influence. What do I need to do? What responses must I make in my life? What choices must I make in order to, one, develop strength, to develop power in my life? Because there are things in our nation that need to be shifted. And God doesn't going to just shift it supernaturally. He raises up people to shift things. People that have got developed power in their life, people that have developed authority, because it just doesn't just fall on people just like that. There is a grace that comes, but there is a, a response that we must make to it in order to fulfill that. It never just happens by itself. Authority never just, boom, there you have it. It, it is incrementally growing in our life. Are you with me? We are changed from glory to glory. We are go from strength to strength. But it's developed incrementally in our life. In other words, you, you move into one space and then you make some decisions. You, you develop authority. You, you develop faithfulness and fruitfulness in that part of your life. And then you move to another sphere of authority. And the only way you can move to a new sphere of authority is if you've developed that, the, the authority and the fruitfulness in your own life over here. It's unwise of God, and he's, he's good like that. He won't bring you into a place that you cannot handle. So it's important that we make decisions in our life. And this is where the real nuts and bolts happen. It's not in a meeting. It's in the day-to-day -day life, the day-to-day -day decisions and habits that we form in our life. And this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about. One of the, one of the things that power and authority is, there is a couple of things that is connected to and that will help you develop it in your life. For me, I have started to reflect on, even over the last few weeks, uh, about this. I want to just open it up to you. One is this. How do we gain or how do we get fresh power and authority in our own life? One, it grows and shifts in increments. So don't expect to go from here to a nation changer just like that overnight. You develop it in your home life. You develop it in your personal life. You develop it in every single moment of your being. The other thing it's connected to is this, is discipline. One of the things that you see the, that Paul says here, it says, run your race in a way that you may seize the prize. In fact, we are all running a race. The question is, are we running it in a way that we will actually win our prize? In other words, there are some things that you can carry that you do not need to be carrying that are affecting your race. Offense. When we pick up an offense, when we pick up uh, jealousy, when we pick up disappointment, it becomes a weight that gets around us. It becomes something that entangles us, habits, things that we do that we're not even aware of that we're doing. All of a sudden, we discover that these things are starting to hinder. The Bible says, Paul says this, he said, you're not restricted by us. We are, you are restricted by your own affections. In other words, the things that stop you from moving forward is not any person it is not any other environment it is except your affections, what you have set your heart affected to, what's connected your heart to that. So the question is, what are, where in our, in, our, in our soul life, where in our heart do we have affections that we are connected to that we may be aware of or simply not aware of that are affecting our race? When a prophet comes, what happens is it starts to just jiggle things up in our life. Sometimes it's directly, sometimes it's indirectly. Sometimes it just happens in an argument or something bubbles up over here or something bubbles up over here. Nothing is by accident. It's because God is stirring the waters somewhere. There's always a price to pay and there's always a sacrifice to be made. I, I, I don't really have enough time to unpack this, but we talked about, he talks about a perishable crown and a 
and an incorruptible crown. Another definition for that is the victor's crown. In other words, you've developed, you, you have won victory in your life over particular things. For many people, the, the crown can be popularity. The crown can be being able to operate in a gift like Apostle Tamarit. I can tell you now that, that the gift that he was operating is not the crown. If you, think that's a, if you think that's a crown, no, it's a gift. <laughs> it's not the crown. There's a greater crown that, it, that God has prepared for you. But that gift is, is, a, is a wonderful thing. A gift works to a purpose, and it doesn't come just by that. I had the, I had the amazing privilege and honor of being able to spend time with Apostle Tamarit to hear how he got to where he is today. Because it's one thing to see the gift up here. It's another thing to hear the story. And I can tell you now, you are not going to receive that gift by him blowing on you, touching you, doing anything like that. It's not going to happen. The seed of it will be implanted, but there has to be a working, there has to be a price to pay on the inside of your life for that to come forward. And that price is, yeah. (laughs) Some people think they're paying a price, but actually the price that they're paying is the wages of their sin. You've got to, everything has a price to it. You've got to say, is, 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 is the price that I'm paying right now for something, is it the, the wages of something that I've done or something that's working inside of my life that needs to come out? Or is it because of the decision that I've purposefully made to honor the Lord? You can't mistake the two. I know some people that have paid horrendous prices thinking that it's a sacrifice for the Lord. No, it's not. They've made some dumb decisions. And it's costing them. It takes discernment to be able to work out the difference. But I was talking to Apostle Tamarit about the price that he has paid to be, to be able to get to where he is. And one of the things I want to encourage us to is this, that the crown that God lays, has laid up ahead for us, both, I believe, both in eternity, but there's also something, there's also something here in this earth that comes with a price. You have to sacrifice something. That's what discipline is. Discipline is about saying yes to something and no to something else. It is the art of knowing what to say yes to and what to say no to. Hello. So when he takes it, there is discipline. There's always a price to pay. That One of the disciplines that he's talking about here is he's taking authority over their corrupt passions and appetites, the things that make us feel good but don't align to the purpose God has for us. There are things that we have, there are things that I have in my life, they make me feel good. There are things of, uh, of a physical nature, there are things of a, uh, even a na- in my soulless nature. There are things that make me good but have no purpose in my future. Those are the things to chop off. Are you with me? They work for a season, they're, they're okay for a little while, but the space that God has for me next the space that God has for you next, the space that God has for us next. There are some things that we have in our life that got to go. In other words, he's talking about the body. We live in a world where people just want to be happy. It's all about what I feel. The kingdom of God, however, is not just how we feel. It's something greater. It's about sacrifice. But as a result of the sacrifice, there's a much greater reward that lies ahead of us. In other words, he brings his body into subjection. One of the things I want to encourage for me is this, is that when he talks about the body, first of all, he's talking about the physical body, the tongue. In other words, he starts to bring his tongue into subjection. There are conversations that I have, they are no longer fit for where God has for me in the future. The way that I speak, the way that I talk, the language that I used, they were okay for an old season, but they're not, they're not going to help me. They're, they're not in my future. The conversations, the way that I talk, the way that I speak, the ears, the conversation that I listen to, what I give my ear to, they were okay for a certain point in my life, tolerated, but for what God has for us, it's not going to work. What I look on the internet, trade me. (laughs) 
Well, decreases. Less of me, more of you. That's why fasting is so important. As we come into this next season, I believe our prayer and our, our fasting levels have got to increase. It's where we spend our money, where our money is, so our treasures, where we spend our time. There are places that my money, where our money has gone to, that is okay back there, but for our future, it's no, no. There are relationships that were okay back here, but in terms of moving me forward in my future, no. Why? Because unless they're going to walk with me on that journey, they are just going to be coming an anchor. Where I spend my time, in other words, I can't just dilly-dally around with my time anymore. For us to walk into what God has for what God, what God has for you, you can't just be flippant with your time. Oh, I'll come to church today, or maybe I'll just go to another church, just try it out. No, 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 forget it. That's just a misuse of your a misuse of your time. It's just throwing a little bit of stuff here, a little bit of stuff over here, and it's like for, for many people. That's where uh, th their life can live. It's just, I'll just throw a little bit of water over here, a little bit of water over there. But all you're doing is just sprinkling a little bit of water around. But with the very same substance, we know that if we can focus that and put purpose to it, you can cut through steel. One of the things I believe is, and that is the idea of discipline, that you're not just throwing a little bit of your, your, your words over here, a little bit over here, a little bit of your time over here, a little bit of your money over here. No, 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 no. If you want to move into the next season, you've got to narrow up that band a little bit. Hello? Because you only got one life to live, and then it's done. But discipline has to be set in a context. You... you, you it's one thing to, to do all these things, but unless it has a context, unless it has a focus, it's almost like, like the apostle said, taking swings into the wind, not really, you, you're not actually punching your opponent, you, you're just taking wild shots. And for many people, that's how they live their life, it's how they live their spiritual life. Just have a shot over here and just see what happens. Throw a punch over here and see what happens over there. There's no way, they're opportunists looking for a punch, it's not going to work. If you really want to develop, one of the things that we have to do, I believe, is this. And it's tried over and over again, is to develop a sense of focus and to de develop a sense of purpose over our life. So discipline has to have a context. You don't, whenever somebody disciplines their body or disciplines themselves for study or anything like that, that, no one ever does it for no reason. So discipline must have a context. If you're just fasting just for the sake of fasting, there's no context. If you're doing things, you're just being hard on yourself. So it has to have a context. And one of the things I believe is this, is that helps gain power and authority is developing context to, our, to the discipline. One of the things I believe is this, is that it has to be a goal or has to be a purpose. Like the Paul said here, he said, um, therefore, I do not run without a definite goal or a definite purpose. In other words, all the discipline, the fasting, the, the shaping of my time, the shaping of my words, the shaping of my every part of who I am, it's not without a purpose. It must have a definite purpose. There must be a significant reason why I am doing what I am doing. Purpose. Somebody say purpose. There were, there were, there were about four, four things I wrote on my desk the other day. I've got a writable desk things that are most important to me and, and most important for me as a church. The second one was purpose. Why do we exist? You want to know what the first one was? What the most important was this, the presence of God. What could I never do without in this church and in my life? And that would be the presence of God. Everything else can go. One thing most important is the presence of God. That the presence of God would be strong in this place. That the presence of God would be strong in your house. That the presence of God would be strong in our lives. But the second thing was purpose. If there's no sense of purpose in your life, if we do not have a sense of purpose in our internal life, if we don't have a, a sense of what God has called us to do, then everything else is for nothing. 
So purpose. Somebody say purpose. Purpose, it is twofold. There is purpose, one, what is earned in this life and received in eternity. And then what is discovered in this life that gives this life meaning. Purpose is what gives our life meaning. Purpose is what gives this church meaning. Purpose, if, if something does not have a purpose, is literally shelved until it does. You go to some places and there's things just sitting on the shelf. They, they were built for a purpose, but they're just shelved. For many people, their lives are just sitting on the shelf. I don't want that. But I want my life to be fit for purpose. Somebody say fit for purpose. Purpose is what is discovered and it gives our life meaning. Purpose or meaning provides the strength to overcome the most difficult of circumstances. If you have a sense of purpose, if you have a, a strong sense of purpose in your life, it will have, it inherently carries enough power, has the power to bring th you through the most difficult moments in your life. Victor Frankl, one of the, one of the world's renowned um, psychologists, said this when he was involved in the Holocaust. He was part of the Holocaust with, a, with, with thousands and thousands of Jews being persecuted, and that was a low place. You think you got a low place? You talk to some of the Jews that were in the Holocaust. Yeah? Victor Frankl simply did this one thing. He gave them a sense of meaning because people, they were so low, they were ready to die. The one thing that Victor Frankl did was this. They gave them a sense of purpose and meaning for their life. That was enough to, to give them strength, to give them hope, to give them physical strength, to give them emotional strength, to give them spiritual strength. To give somebody a sense of purpose is one of the most powerful things that you can ever do. To have a sense of purpose in your life, to have your life living for a purpose is one of the most powerful things that you could ever have. Let me explain why. When I, when I talk about purpose, I'm meaning collective, for us as a body, but also for us as individuals as well. Every one of us, our lives has a, has a purpose. It's like, uh, like little wheels in a clock that every one of us is a wheel that is connected to another wheel that keeps the whole thing turning. So your, our, our sense of purpose is never just for ourselves. It's always about connected to other people. It's always connected to a family. It's always connected somewhere. And that is why discipline, when we discipline our lives according to purpose, it doesn't just affect us. It affects the whole world around us and what we're connected to. When I make a, a choice in my life, to stop reading that and to start reading that, when I have, make a choice in my life to stop having these discussions and having these discussions, I can tell you now, it will affect you. And the same with you. The moment that you start to change your discussions, the moment that you start to change the way that you talk, to discipline your tongue, to discipline your body, to comb your hair this way instead of that way, the moment that you start to make choices with your time and your finance, the moment that you make, start to make disciplined choices to say yes to this and no to that, I can promise you that the world around you will be affected. Either for good or for bad. If it's bad choices, if you, if you, it'll affect the world. If you start getting drawn into conversations that you know you shouldn't have been joining, in, joining into, it will affect the relationships around you. So this is why discipline is so important. One of the most important things to one discover and master in your life is purpose. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Interesting, when you look at the story of Genesis, the joy of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 and 3 essentially tell the, tell the same thing, except they tell it in completely different ways. It, it's fascinating when you start to look at it. But one of the things you notice in Genesis chapter in Genesis chapter two and verse fifteen, the first thing, uh, one of the first things that God did was he he formed man, he formed him out of the dust of the earth. The second thing that God did with mankind was this in verse fifteen. So then the Lord took the man that he had formed, and he settled him in the garden of Eden. And the word after that is two. And he put, or he settled him, or he positioned him 
in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to work it, or tend it and to keep it. This is before sin entered into the world. So in the restoration of mankind into God's glory and to the fullness of what God has, it doesn't mean just la-di-da-di-da in the presence of God. No. No, it's more than that. That is the original purpose. Created in the image, positioned him, and gave him an assignment. That is the original intention of God for mankind, for you and I. It's one thing to just be in the image of Christ and be come into the image of Christ, but this whole part here, knowing where God has positioned us to tend it or keep it or work it, that is purpose. So the intention, so what you don't see is God just creating man and leaving just wandering around. Wandering over here, wandering over there, wandering over here. No. The Bible says that God himself planted the garden. In other words, God himself got involved in the space that God that he created for man. So God took the man and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. With the what goal? What was and so if you if you if you carried on that sentence, it would literally say this: with the end goal of filling the earth and multiplication. It was never the intention. So the, the intention of God in the first place was for man to fill the earth and to subdue it. But he starts off giving him a garden with an assignment to to tend it and to work it but never just to keep it in the same size. Are you with me? So God has given us a garden, a space. He's positioned us in a space, and, and it's unique to you. It's your world. It's your marriage. It's your family. It's your house. It's your garden. But it affects all of us. God has positioned you there. He's positioned you in your place at work. He's positioned you into this church. Never by accident. Never. We may think so, but it's never that way. He's uniquely placed people around us to speak in and to shape our life. He's uniquely created things for us to put our hand to, for us to put our heart to, to work to and cultivate it. Not so that it remains here. The whole intent behind purpose is that it would fill the earth. The whole intent for the garden that he has entrusted to me is not just to contain it and to maintain it and just to keep it the same size. It is to grow it and to fill the earth. In other words, it goes beyond my own life. It goes beyond my own personal life to, to becoming a church, a congregation. But it goes beyond here and it starts to become uh, something that touches our nation. And then as I start to become faithful with that, it goes beyond there where I have opportunities now to shape other nations' futures. That is why I prayed. That is why I fasted. That is why I hold my mouth shut when it should be shut. That is why I encourage people when they need to be encouraged. That is why I prophesy when I need to prophesy. That is why I need to withhold myself because that is why I don't drink out in public places. Why? All of that adds to a greater sense of purpose that God has for my life. And there will come a day where I will stand on greater stages and what has been cultivated in my own life and personal decisions will be there manifested on world stages. And it is the same with you. God has prepared a garden for you. He has positioned you. Not that you would just maintain it, but you would cultivate it and cause it to grow and enlarge. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. We can do better than that. There are some things I can't say because there's people watching online. But I can assure you this. God is raising us up. You and me, together, we have opportunity to shift nations. We have opportunities to shift into high powers. 
but it comes by doing the mahi in the hard yards. It comes by disciplining yourself. So for me in this next season of my life, I've got to commit to a fresh season of prayer. I've got to commit to a fresh season. There are things that I've got to say yes to and other things to say no to. I've got to watch what goes into me. I've got to watch what comes out of me. I've got to watch what influences. I've got to trim some fat. I've got to shed some stuff off. Because who I am today needs to be developed and shaped a little bit more for what God has for me tomorrow. That's what faith is. When we talk about filling the garden, that's what it means to add value. If you're an accountant here today, you'll understand. Every company has three sets of values to work. What gets people into trouble is this, where they only look at one set of numbers, one set of values. All the accountants say, let me explain a little just before we close. That the value would be multiplied, that what He has placed in our heart, the garden that He's created for us, would be multiplied, that it wouldn't maintain the same. That is called, that was, that's what it means to multiply. It's all through the Bible, that the multiplication of value. Not just a little bit more, but the multiplying. Somebody say multiplying. Value multiplied, not just value made the same or restricted. You are created intrinsically valuable. No doubt about that. You are who you are. You have intrinsic value. That is one form of value. But you also have a gift. You have a gift inside of your life. You have a purpose that is unique to you. And it's your responsibility to discover that. It's my job to help you. But only you can discover it. I can't force it upon you. So purpose. You have a sense of intrinsic value. God loves you. Yes. It does. No matter where you're from, your background, it's intrinsic value. Your value, not determined by your color, by your your background or anything like that. It's just who you are. But there's another value. And that's the value of purpose. Why you have been born. Why you're on this place. That is the value that can be multiplied. This value here, it's intrinsic. This value here also makes up your life, which can be shrunk or it can be multiplied. This value here will be multiplied, determined not by that value, but more by what you do to invest into it. In other words, what you say yes to, what you say no to, the discipline that you bring into your own life. There's a whole new set of value. That's, this value here is what gives your life a sense of meaning. You need to have a sense of identity. I am who I am in Christ Jesus. And I don't need to do anyone anything, don't need to do anything to impress anyone. But over here, I also have been given an assignment, a garden from God that I am mandated from heaven to cultivate and to develop. First of all, starting off in my own life. And then it spreads to become a garden that fills the whole earth. Does that make sense? So I'm not talking about the intrinsic value. God loves you. Write it down. Tattoo it in your heart or in your hand. Whatever you need to do to remind you. But this other value, it is a kingdom value. What have you done? What did you do with the prophetic word? What did you do with your time? What did you do with your money? What have you done with your words? What have you done with your ears? What have you done with your eyes? What have you fixed your eyes onto? What have you fixed your heart onto? What decisions, what habits have you started to make inside of your life? Are you still struggling with the same habits that you are, that you were struggling with 10 years ago? If so, you need to put an axe to that and start to move forward. Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? Come on, are you with me? The only reason I can stand here today and say this is because I've had an act, I have had to put an axe to some things in my life. The only reason I'll get to stand and be able to do some of the things that God has for me is if I say no to some things and yes to other things. And only I can make those decisions. Amazing. How could a school teacher, the prophet Tamarit was a school teacher. <laughs> That's what his job was. That's what his occupation was. 
a school teacher. He taught anthropology. He studied anthropology. He was a school teacher. But yet was prepared to pay a price. Was prepared to discipline his body. Was prepared to discipline himself. Was prepared to pay a price. Was to pay, was to something got a hold of his heart. Now God is using him to shift the whole economy of a nation. A school teacher. And all the school teachers, yeah. I wonder what God could do through you. I wonder what how far that garden could really extend to. If you just gave it a chance. If you just fed it the right food, if you just pulled out the weeds that need to be pulled out. There's a garden in the middle of Eden, and he still had to keep it. Before sin entered into the world, he still had to keep the garden. He still had to work the garden. Think about that. Even in the most perfect world, you still have to have an assignment. There are still things that need to be pulled out, possibly. I pray. That he won't let what's happened in these recent days just go by and nothing change. I pray that you'll join me. Make a decision today in your heart, one to lift our eyes to the great things that God has. Fill the earth and subdue it. That's what we're going to do. But to do it, we've got to tend our garden. To do it, there are things in our life that need to be shredded. I wonder what today needs to be shredded in your life. Wonder what fat needs to be cut off. I wonder what habits need to stop. Whatever you need to do, pay the price. Run your race. Run your race. Run your race. As a man, as a woman of God, as a young person, run your race. Run it. Shake off the things that get around you. Shake off people's apathy. Shake off people's unbelief. Shake off any wet blanket that somebody wants to put on your life. Shake it off. Shake off passivity. I'm not going to wear it. You can wear it if you want, but it's not going to be me. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shift that power. Shift whatever it is in your life. Lift up your eyes. And let's see a mighty harvest. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. Sing a little louder. Clap a little louder. Pray a little louder. What's this song? Raise a hallelujah. Raise a hallelujah. We're going to sing this song, Raise a Hallelujah. As we sing this, make a decision. Look inside of your heart. Make a decision to say, I'm going to start to change some things. I'm going to start to shift some things. In the parts of my life that I'm going to need to raise a hallelujah, I'm going to lift the bar a little. I'm going to start, stop talking the way like that. I'm going to start to change the way that I talk. Change the way that I think. Change the way that I relate. Change the way that I dress. Change the way. I'm just going to start investing into myself. I'm going to start to shred some things off. Come on. I'll raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I'll raise. I'll raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me.
shout of praise one more time. Let's lift up his name. Come on, put some effort into it. Come on, worship him tonight. We bless you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. How many people you've got something you know of right now that you can start to work on to shred off your life? Just one. I'm sure somebody has one thing. Make a decision. Make a decision or just stay home, do nothing. Make a decision to shift something inside of your life. Make a decision to say, I'm going to do this differently. Make a small increment. I'm going to stop saying this word. I'm going to cut alcohol. I'm going to cut this. I'm just going to stop that. I'm going to start doing this. Make a small decision. Doesn't have to be a big one. Just make a small one. I'm going to start making my bed in the morning. I'm going to start to shape, shift the way that I dress. I'm going to go to a stylist and start to look a bit prettier. I'm going to do something to shift whatever I need to do to shift it in my life. I'm going to stop speaking negative. I'm going to start to listen to the words that come out of my, my mouth. I'm going to stop criticizing. I'll stop swearing. I'll start to do something. Make a decision. Just I'm going to start to speak faith every day. Every day I'll speak faith. Every day I'm going to encourage somebody. There's a good one. Every day I'll find one person to encourage. It's not a big thing, but it's enough to make the world shift. One thing I'll start to shift. I'm going to start to come to church on time. I'll start to come every Sunday as opposed to every, or when I feel like it. I'll make a decision to discipline, I'll come. I'll make a decision to, to start write down what I preach. I'll write it down, I'll write some notes, but I don't know how to write. I'll learn. That's it. I haven't got a pen. We'll bring a pen. Do something to shift the small things in your life. Make a discipline just to get up a little bit earlier or make some time just to pray, even if it's for five minutes. Make a decision to stretch it out for an hour. Make a decision just to start to do some things. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. Make a decision to commit as opposed to, oh, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. I'm not quite sure. I'll see what the Spirit feels like. No. Make a decision. Do what you need to do to shift whatever you need to shift. Wonderful, Jesus. I bless you today. I bless your family. I bless your household. I bless the garden that God has positioned you in. I pray that that garden would be fruitful and multiply. I pray that that garden would grow and fill the earth. I pray that that garden would grow and bring shelter and bring prosperity to the people around it in Jesus' name. I bless the works of your hands. I bless your hearts. I bless your lips and the words that you speak today and during the course of this week. I bless your thought life today. May you meditate on things that are healthy. Maybe, may you meditate on things that are above as opposed to things that are of, of the earth. May your mind be fixed on the things of heaven and not be fixed on the mindsets of earth. May your relationships be ones that would be prosperous and not hold you back. May your thought life, may your imagination, may your habits lead you forward into the things of God and not cause you to remain still. In Jesus' name, I bless you in every dimension of your life. And all God's people said, Amen. and all God's people said, Amen. I'll see you in a few weeks after we get back from Israel.